Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com slash theforgeherald. Thanks everyone, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Our topic of the night is our favorite monsters in Dungeons and Dragons. Now, this doesn't mean that these are monsters that we've DM'd, but just ones that we've really liked, which probably means we DM'd them. But before we go into that, Nolan, how are you? Tell us what you've been up to this weekend. Uh, well, I guess trying to wake up, I guess, from playing uh, too much Diablo 3. New season came out, new Demon Hunter set. Uh, it went really smooth, and then just the same thing that usually happens is I got addicted and just kind of kept playing. So <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings has their uh, event going on in their game where it's uh, Argon, Aragorn's and Arwen's wedding, and yeah, people have been going bananas for that, uh, and kind of a neat little letter for... Uh, from the producers that make that game, Standing Stone Games, talking about, well, you know, people are like, oh, cool, the story's finally over. What is, what's your guys' next project? And they were saying, this is actually where the fun begins because now we're dealing with small little appendices, you know, and, and we know that after after the Great War and stuff like that, there's still burrows of evil and uh, Aomir and Aragon had done great things in basically scouring the world faramir was very key in reclaiming mona um minas morgul uh gimli had taken a group of dwarves and started kind of his own kingdom in the glittering caves uh around uh, uh sometime after that and then when he got old he eventually went back so the next section that they've announced is they're dealing with basically a group of dwarves trying to take back uh their home uh not necessarily moria style but just kind of rooting out some ancient caves and cavern systems and connecting the realms. And so they've got a great plan going forward. And and now they're getting into the world of where they get to uh, take what they've done for the last, you know, 10, 11 years and kind of flex those muscles a little bit and uh, say, okay, we've, you know, done a lot for our knowledge base. We've read a lot. We've been true to the world and now watch what we're going to interpret with what we've got. So. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, that, that's about it. Yeah, we're playing uh, Demon Hunters in uh, Diablo 3. The new set yes. is a lot of fun. So if uh, you guys are listening and playing that, uh, it's definitely worth, once it all comes together, it's 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 a real fun set. Yeah, you were pretty quick to get to level cap. It took me a little bit longer, as it always does. I, I swear, sometimes I, I watch, like, you and I will start playing a game, and, and like I'm like, all right, I hit level 1. I look over, how are you at level 5 already? What the hell? And I think I'm doing everything right, but apparently I do everything wrong and you do it all right. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? They did, uh, you know, some of the guys that have come out that have been, I don't know, some of the guys have been just really, really good. And I'll say that is the community there has done a great job mm -hmm. of putting putting kind of a plan. I mean, they, they literally have it down to a science at this point. And I tried to follow a guide this time. Usually I'm like, you know, my first like, eight levels are all set. So it's like, you know, you do this, you do this, you do this. All right. And away you go. And so I tried to follow the guide a lot more this time. And it, there's certain little things that are pretty amazing. You know, like, uh, I don't know if you 
did you make the level 70 weapon and then downgrade it with level requirement? Because I think I I did that. Oh, and no, I didn't. At level, I, I got lucky and my level, like I, I was level 41 with a level 70 weapon. So I was able to nice. basically one shot everything in the game for the rest of the way I, out until about 65. I did do the, I made the, I got the, uh, made the rare dagger and then upgraded it to legendary. And it was the one with the, the, big fan of knives damage yeah uh, so i was able to throw that in the canai's cube which i mean i was walking around on hard just one-shotting stuff with fan of knives yep you know and and demon hunter is a little bit of a struggle leveling and fan of knives again like you said you get to a rift boss you get to a guardian you get to a pack and you just one shot them and then just kind of yeah. slowly move your way through the rest of the map and so it was it was fun it was a good season i started about 6 37 got done i think it was 11 19 when i wrapped up so i think it's i think it's hilarious she said it was a good season the season just opened and you're already like well this season's done let's get ready for the next one i finished uh 93 yesterday and i'm fairly certain i can push higher but my gyms are like level 30 so i got a lot of grinding to do and so but yeah yep. it, it's one of those things like the big push is out and now it's the the fun part where i can just yep. play the game yeah, I tried to do a greater rift this morning, and considering what I, what I had going on last night, uh, I think I was just too tired, and I was making sloppy mistakes, getting caught on the graphics, and it just didn't go well. So I just turned it off and said, "Screw it, I will try later today." Right, Fourth of July, volunteer firefighter. Yeah, lots of calls. Yeah, it was a busy weekend. Okay, so let's let's jump over to the news. And of course, we do have a little bit of news for 307 RPG. Uh, recently, we published a section on our website called our titled Blog Roll. Uh, this section is where we're going to be keeping a list of content creators that we think you should be following. A lot of these are podcasters, uh, but we are also throwing in Twitch streamers, especially through Nolan, because he he knows this stuff a lot better than I do. Um, in fact, we threw on Elaheim, who's someone you have followed for a long time, right? Yeah, quite a few years now. So we're building this pretty nice list. I think there's just over 20 different content creators on the list right now. So if you're if you're on our website, look for that tag for blog roll. Uh, click on it. Click that post of content creators that we think you should be following. And just look. I have links to everybody on there. So it's pretty neat. Um, recently, I was a guest on the Bite Size Gaming Podcast. This is a show hosted by our friend Zach Goins. You guys should recognize Zach. Him and David have come on our show a couple times now to talk about their different Dungeons & Dragons projects that they've brought to Kickstarter. Uh, they're a great couple of guys who, who I always enjoy talking with. Uh, so they invited me onto, or Zach invited me onto his show, and we were specifically talking about fantasy tropes and whether or not we use them in our games. Now, i got to tell you, Nolan, I, I I've thought quite a bit about this after the show. Now, I want to say the, the show itself is fantastic. Zach and his crew do a great job, and I think everybody should be listening to Bite Size Gaming. So just throw that out there real quick. And once they do release the episode that I was on, I'll make sure to include, you know post that on social media. But speaking of fantasy tropes, I don't usually think about tropes when we're playing. When I'm, Especially if I'm writing a homebrew story, I just think, okay, I, this is how I want this story to go. Now, sometimes it falls into tropes, and it specifically, and I think about this now more than I did before, the fallen hero trope and even the chosen one trope that we inevitably used with your character Zend during the Ninehorn God campaign. And I think about, like, because we've talked about this quite a bit on the show where you were playing this paladin in Barovia. In fact, we talked about it last week. 
that was a very difficult thing for you to do because you were in this bleak, horrible world as this shining ray of light. That's yeah. I was going to say that's, uh, I don't think we think of that stuff. You know, I was ready to move on to a character or, uh, and, and it's weird coming through the game of like one of those things like this isn't working. I'm not having fun. It's uh, affecting my depression and just having that conversation with you of saying, I, I need to do something else. This isn't working. And we're, we're like, okay, well, what do we do? And like, well, nothing brings a team together. Like, Hey, this threat is real. It just got ripped in half. <laughs> Yeah, and so we ended up killing your character, but then when we got out of there, you came to me and you were like, hey, you know what? I really miss that character. <laughs> we played for quite some time, and time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a nice opportunity. It's like, well, how can we bring it back? And I don't want it to be another new character. And so, right um, again, when you're first starting D&D 2, I think everybody goes through, I don't want to say grass is greener, but there's so many options. You know, when we play games nowadays, it's like, Okay, before you play this MMO, play everything to like level 25. So you get a feel for that sure. class, you know. And and whenever we beat a game of like Dragon Age, you go back and you're like, okay, now I want to see what the warrior does. And, and now I'm going to see what the wizard does. And and it's really tough when you're playing D because some of these games and campaigns are can be years long. And, and, mm -hmm. and it's a big commitment to something that you've never done before. It is. It is. In the Ninehorn Gods campaign, that really, that was probably one of our longest spanning storylines that we just did. Uh, we, we did that for quite a while before we ever jumped into the books. And even then, we jumped into the books for a little bit and then bounced out once I finished up school and started going back to the homebrew stuff. Uh, and we ultimately took a break and we were doing Scarlands instead. But it was a tale that I, I, to this day, would love to finish. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. But we were able to use the Fallen Hero, the Chosen One-style uh, tropes, to you know have Zen die and then ultimately bring him back. And I think about how we did that, because you actually wrote the resurrection of, of Zen. Um, you know, you and I kind of, you worked with me on making sure you didn't mess up anything with what I had going on. Uh, and, and we were able to work together to do that, uh, creating some great stuff for the character. And I use air quotes here, the character that I played, uh, Kildrak, who was uh, ultimately a character that was designed just because we didn't have a cleric in the group. And I felt like it was, again, something you and I had spoken about. And we're like, yeah, we probably need a healer. And I said, you know what? I'll play the healer. He, you know, I know I'm DMing, uh, but he will have absolutely no say whatsoever on anything that happens in the game. He will just be there. And oftentimes, like, I would say, oh, yeah, Kildrek's over here spreading the good word of Silverbeard, which ultimately became something as well. Um, so there was a really neat stuff that I didn't realize that were very tropey that we used uh, for specifically our two characters. And honestly, were really cool stories. When you have classes that deal with, I think magic, I think clerics, I think I think paladins. Some of that stuff gets a little bit easier to go do. In our group, we had you know almost a, a chaotic, uh, insane you know druid. We had a, a pyromancer, fire sorcerer. We had a borderline lawful evil pirate monk uh we had a, a batshit crazy fighter guy i think whose name was shovely joe um you know <laughs> so when you when you look at that group there was no uh i don't i don't necessarily know that it was one of the goals but it was one of those things of my character was a chaotic good lawful good paladin that was trying to fix things and in doing so it 
it inadvertently kind of became uh, a leader type or at least a, a story thing because nobody else really had that. I don't know. He kind of became the glue of like, well, we're, we're in this together. We're going to go do this. Right. Like, you know, it was just kind of his, he tried to perpetuate fixing things and, and kind of right. drug everybody else along. And I don't know if any of the other characters got an opportunity to, or maybe, maybe none of those characters would have, it's hard to say, but I think it happens with every campaign where sometimes uh, a character kind of rises to the occasion. You know, we've had different situations where, uh, you know, we played water deep and uh, Zach had played a bard and wanted very little to do with anything, but was so good at everything. It kind of became like, we're all, everybody else in the group was, you know, the crazy, like, what are they going to do now thing? And, and Zach was able to keep us on task and progress the story, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think you find those people like, let's get back on task. Let's focus a little bit, rein it in. We're moving on. Agree. And and I love, I love seeing how characters develop like that. So I'm looking forward in fact to our Icewind Dale. Once we start that, it's going to be exciting to get the band back together, so to speak, and, and play through that. So yeah. campaign i'm i'm also looking forward to it and the again years of playing now hopping in and and, and seeing how people create characters is going to be interesting this time around too yep. we're going to uh, have a solid session zero that's for sure yeah and and just see you know i think my mindset from making a character is like oh this is what he's going to do in combat to uh okay this is who he is uh this is what he does Okay, so now how is he going to fight? You know, that's like one of the last things in of like, okay, so I'm going to be this zany guy or whatever, but how am I not going to make sure that I'm a hindrance to the party? It's almost mm-hmm. last now versus just good character idea. So it's, it's yeah. going to be fun. Let's see. Yesterday, I spent some time talking with Matthew Dawkins uh, about a currently unnamed source book that he is working on for Call of Cthulhu. Uh, we also talked about the new book, uh, They Come From Beyond the Grave, and I'll be talking about that here a little bit later, as well as uh, Cult Divinity Lost. So it was kind of all things horror RPG related. Uh, we had a great conversation. That episode should be out soon. We got a lot of interviews lined up for this next couple months, I guess. I know you and I have kind of talked about we're planning a Rage of Crossed August where we're going to be talking about Werewolf the Apocalypse. So I've got a couple of folks come on and talk to us about Werewolf. So it's going to be good stuff. I'm excited about it. So let's look over to Dungeons and Dragons. Not a lot of new stuff. Well, really nothing new for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but Nolan, you mentioned a new adventure that you found on D&D Beyond. Why don't you tell us about that? Looks like they are knocking out a few of their kind of pre-stories, introduction stories. I didn't read very much about it just because I didn't want to, in case we ended up using part of it. Um, but starting to see some Icewind Dale stuff. Uh, I'm horrible at the name, so let me pull it. Is it uh, James? Uh, James Heck. Or Okay. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, his uh, he's got a little story that deals with the area of the Tin Towns. I don't, you know, and I don't know other than I think it's his little story to get you kind of there. Um, seeing the map for the area broken down like that is really exciting. Um, I incidentally watched a lore video, uh, and I say incidentally because, you know, the YouTube rabbit hole uh, on Ariel or Oriel or the Frost Maiden, however you pronounce her name, and, and kind of what she is and who she's protected by and what's happening. So I guess uh, in, the, in the lore of things, she was or she's kind of a lesser chaotic deity, but she's under the protection of Torm, I believe. Um, and so people can't mess with her. Uh, 
she is she is in the the frozen north because that's her power is the cold she messes not messes she preys upon humans uh, and basically you worship her otherwise she's very angry excuse me <coughs> sorry she's very angry and if you don't give her you know what she wants needs in the proper respect she will she will literally watch towns and wait for you to go on that one day you decide to like go outside the city wall and it's going to be the worst blizzard ever and you're not getting home like that's how spiteful and vengeful uh, oh, she geez. is um i guess one of her part of her pantheon was absorbed and stolen and i don't know if that was fourth edition sorry it, it, it was all just kind of coming through while i was running riffs um <laughs> but it's, uh, another deity stole some of her power, so she's relatively weak right now, and and that's why you're, I guess, in the in the north, she's raising up clerics and 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 chosen to continue to push her influence because she can't uh, manifest like she used to, and so I don't know if that's going to have something to do with with this story of her um, getting her powers back or trying to to reclaim something. Uh, but it was, it was kind of a neat story to kind of see, oh, okay, this isn't, you know, Frost Maiden and, and the image is like, oh, we're going to be dealing with it. No, she's kind of a, a crazy, uh, angry goddess. And so it, it, yeah. it put a little more fear to be of what we're, we're dealing with because it's not going to be a happy story, I don't think so. So I'm just going to read the opening paragraph here. It says, are you prepared to journey to Icewind Dale, the frozen north of Faerun? Times are strange, and countless rumors swirl around this cold and isolated land, like so many snowflakes in an endless blizzard. The next D&D adventure announced at D&D Live 2020 is dark fantasy horror titled Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frostmaiden. This encounter is the second part of a five-part, or perhaps more, encounter series called Icewind Mail Special Delivery. It is a non-canon dark comedy that leads into the official adventure. Well. Sort of. It's more like it tosses players in the general direction of the official adventure with some silly props and tells them to go have fun. So this is part two of a five-part story that, I, in theory, will lead you to uh, the actual book, which is kind of cool. Now, we've talked quite a bit about how we're going to be running Icewind Dale, and this may end up getting, all, the, all five of these may end up getting pulled in as well, because... One of the things that Nolan and I've talked quite a bit about is getting the the main book and then getting all the Adventure League stuff as well and playing just this massive, immersive, epic adventure. And if this is going to work, we'll have to take a look at it. Uh, so where it can play with the AL stuff as well as the book, this may be five little stories that we're adding too. So we'll be keeping that in mind. So that's I think it'll be all. nice to have all that stuff kind of come together. And yeah. we've had fun with a lot of the stories. You know, I think we've done uh, one during the uh, uh, when the Wild Mount came back or came out. They had some stories mm -hmm. on D&B Beyond that were pretty good. Uh, we've played AL stuff. We're doing some of the AL Avernus right now. Which has been good. Yeah, oh, we haven't been disappointed. So, uh, yeah, getting it all together, finding it, make it fit, and hopefully we can hang out in the frozen north for quite a while. Yeah, exactly. So that's all I saw for D&D. &D. Did you see anything else, bud? I did not. No, I didn't think so. All right, so let's take a walk down the Onyx path. Legend Lore Kickstarter has come to a successful conclusion. Congrats to everyone who worked on that book. Uh, the Onyx path has announced their next Kickstarter, and it's going to be They Came From Beyond the Grave which is the second game in the They Came From series. 
speaking of they came from they came from beneath the sea is getting very close to shipping uh, i saw that in the latest update that i got that they are expecting books to begin arriving early august which that is delayed considerably because of coronavirus uh, in fact that was something matthew and i were talking about yesterday in fact his recommendation was is unless you are absolutely desperate to get the book let it sit for a week hose it down with lysol before you open it don't mess with it. Just let it sit. He doesn't want anybody getting sick because of a game that he wrote. Smart. Yeah. Which means I'll probably be opening it as soon as it gets here. <laughs> yeah, just don't lick the pages like last yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we mentioned last week Onyx Path put out a statement regarding a couple of uh, issues that they had. Uh, in that statement, they made it very clear that they would be hiring an HR consultant to help them with any issues that came up. You know, you and I both said when we talked about this last week that we both felt like they were really on top of it. And I think this really speaks to how on top of it they are, because true to their word, they wasted no time and announced that they have indeed hired an HR consultant. Her name is Georgina. Georgina will have a clear disconnect from the gaming world. She has no experience with the gaming world whatsoever, and she will not be dealing with the majority of the Onyx Path staff. Uh, she will, I'd imagine, have email contacts when necessary. Uh, she will not be joining them for any of their gatherings. She will not be working on any of the games or anything like that. She will have no connection whatsoever, and they're doing this to make sure that there are very clear lines. And I, I personally applaud Onyx Path for taking that step. It's a, it's a good thing. It's sad that that it has to get to that point um, in this day and age. But again, stepping up, doing the right thing, trying to make sure it never happens again is a great way to go. Yep. Uh, new products for Onyx Path this week include merchandise on their Redbubble store for Dystopia Rising Evolution. Uh, we've talked about Dystopia Rising several times. I think it's an interesting game, fascinating game, really wonderfully wonderful source book. So check that out if you are a fan of Dystopia Rising. Over at Chaosium, I didn't see anything new for Chaosium this week. I did see that on their blog, they are asking their fans to make sure they get out and vote for their nominations in the Any Awards, which voting is open on the Any Awards now. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Any Awards, these are uh, awards that are given to all sorts of different things like writers and publishers and podcasters and, and things like that. Um, in this case, uh, Chaosium had a couple of books that were nominated. Uh, Harlem Unbound for Best Cover, which if you haven't seen the cover for Harlem Unbound, go check it out because it's amazing. And Berlin, The Wicked City. Now, these are both Call of Cthulhu supplements. Uh, was nominated for Best Setting as well as Best Cover. Again, Berlin, Wicked City has a wonderful looking cover. I have not looked at that book at all. Uh, Call of Cthulhu is something that I've always wanted to get into, and I've been very slowly picking up books. In fact, I just got Harlem Unbound this past week in PDF format. I uh, have not looked through it yet, but the cover is wow. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, I have a link to the Indie Awards where you can vote. Uh, in the show notes, uh, our friends over at Red Moon Roleplaying were nominated again for uh, Top Podcast. They've been nominated, through, I think, the last three years straight now. So... If you are a fan of them, make sure you get out and vote for them. Or if, you're, if there's anything that you're a fan of and you want to support them, a click here and there does not hurt. Uh, Modifius has announced that Star Trek Day of Honor will be July 11th. Now, this is a digital con of sorts, and it is this is uh, directly posted from their website. It says, on July 11th, prepare your blood wine and your batleths 
it will be a day of honor in honor of our favorite warriors of Kalos, Star Trek Online, Eagle Moss, Modifius, and the Steampunks, or Streampunk, sorry, are all teaming up to hold an all-day streaming event featuring your, one of, or some of your favorite Star Trek stars and a whole heaping helping of honorable battle. That's a mouthful right there. We are excited to have you join us for the event live uh, on the Q Times Twitch channel. So if you're a fan of Star Trek or Star Trek Adventures, this could be something that's worth checking out. I think I'm going to be popping in a little bit here and there just to see what's going on. They're going to have all sorts of actors from the show, from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, of course, it's as you can tell, it's going to be all Klingon themed. So make sure you pop in and check it out. Could be cool. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's this Wednesday, I will actually be interviewing the project manager for Star Trek Adventures RPG. Uh, so. We'll have some stuff on Star Trek on the show soon. Okay. That's a whole shitload of stuff, man. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, so we have come to, unless you have something else, do you have anything else before we jump to the topic? Oh, you know what? I wanted to ask you, because I know you popped in, Critical Role returned this past week. Uh, I popped in for a little bit, but I have not watched Critical Role in a long time, so I was completely lost. What were your some of your thoughts? I like I like their I like their setup. I, I like that they're able to get back together and do it. Seeing some of the the photos and their their the, the distance between them and still bring forth quality was really good. I was really shocked to see about one hundred ten thousand people watching. Um, yeah, that was you know those are big big numbers, and so uh, I'm happy to see they're back. Uh, same thing very lost haven't caught up with uh season two yet uh looked like they all had hit level 12 and and craziness just craziness to see that many people watching it and i guess there's a little more downtime these days and happy to have that for people to look forward to on uh thursday night speaking of critical role i don't know why i just well i know why because it's critical role and i was thinking uh i always get blown away when i hear laura bailey talk in the jester voice because she does such an amazing job with that but i saw laura bailey post this week and i shared this with you nolan um the absolute hate that she is getting for the last of us part two have is this a game that you've ever played i have not i've seen some people play do their playthroughs though I know Aiden, my youngest son, he's played it a little bit. He really enjoys the game. I have no idea what happened in the game, and Laura actually blacked out the parts where she, in the hate mail that she got, so she didn't spoil the game for any of it, for anybody. But, you know, I don't understand. I really don't understand why people feel the need to say things like they're going to kill you because what her character did in the game? Right. This is, you know, and I know it's, it's the anonymity of the internet where you can hide behind your keyboard and type stuff that, frankly, you'd probably never say in person. And if you would say it in person, perhaps maybe you need to go see a doctor because I would suspect you got some issues that you need to have addressed. You know, guys, it's a it's a game. And the fact that you're getting so worked up over it, just I find it's disgusting that people treat anybody that way, period. And. Laura has done such an amazing job for the gaming community with the the voice acting that she has done and her part in Critical Role. I don't understand why anybody would attack her in this way. It's really strange. I don't, it's not, I don't know. Everything's going to eventually have to be just 
AI acting because now all of a sudden we're upset at actors for doing their role. Like it's just, it, it was insane to me, the the stupidity of it. Of course, like you said, the uh, keyboard heroes are out in force these days and yeah, all that hate is just crazy. It is, and it's absolutely uncalled for. So, but before we go too deep, we like to try to keep things lighthearted on our show. So we are going to dive into our topic of the night. Okay, so we have come to our topic of the night. This week, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite monsters in Dungeons and Dragons. And I think we've each picked two or three to discuss. Uh, now, sometimes it's difficult just to pick two or three because I know we both have had issue or monsters where either we fought or we've or DM'd where we're like, wow, that was a really cool fight. I really like that creature. So, but we wanted to limit this, otherwise we'd be talking forever. Um, as I stated earlier, does it mean that we've DM'd this monster? It just mean, or even that we fought against this monster? It could just be that this is a monster that we happen to enjoy, and this is why we enjoy them. So, Nolan's going to kick us off, and uh, Nolan, what is your first monster? Uh, my first choice was one that I always like seeing in games, just because of, I don't know, it's just classic, and I went with the mimic. I love when a treasure chest bites you back. <laughs> I like when the rocking chair gets up and moves across the room. Um, add a little bit of sense of paranoia. You throw one in a game, and for the rest of the entire adventure, nobody looks at anything the same way again. Yeah. <laughs> I love the memes that you say. Like, what is it? Uh, it's like uh, I laugh, the bartender laugh, the table laugh. We killed the table. It was a great time. <laughs> yep, there was one the other day of. Uh, a fighter staring at three chests, and he's got a feeling that one of them's a mimic, so he whips out a guitar, and he starts singing, tell me why, and the <laughs> chest starts singing, uh, ain't nothing but a heartbreak or whatever, and it's, oh, yeah, it's just like, oh. So tell us a little bit about mimics. Um, what are some of their stats? What are some of their attacks? How do they work? All right, so uh, Mimic is a basic shape, not a basic, is a shape changer. Uh, it is a medium monstrosity, not very crazy as far as anything difficult it is fairly low level uh armor class 12 58 hit points uh it doesn't move to too quick uh it does get plus five to its skills it's immune to acid it can't be knocked prone which makes sense has dark vision and a passive perception of 11 it is a cr2 um I like that it can adhere to anything it touches uh while it remains motionless it is uh you can't tell what it is um and has advantage on grappling. So that just, it's so fun. Again, throwing them in your games. Again, treasure chest is always a fun trap, but you know, again, a suit of armor. Uh, we've, we've had missions where it was hiding as a keg of ale, yeah. uh, you know, so yeah, it's just always a good fun little thing to, nobody ever comes out of a mimic encounter the same. Uh, you throw one every, you know, a few levels or whatever where you, you know, don't even need to, you know, fight it. Next thing you know, you have players blowing up. Uh, that chair looked at me funny and yeah, exactly. destroying it. So a lot of firewood gets made. Yeah, you're in the dungeon, you're walking down, you peep into a door, and there's just a lone chair sitting in that room. And everybody's like, nope, uh-uh, close that door. We are not going in there. We know what that is. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Very cool. So my first one is going to be white. Now... I really like whites for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one, the, the one that I like the most, or the reason I like them the most, is because we had a pretty cool encounter with whites in Curse of Strahd. There was a room that was full of these coffins that were full of whites. So 
I was playing the cleric that we mentioned earlier, and I used Turn Undead, and uh, all of a sudden this room is full of whites who are trying to escape, and my character ends up going down. Uh, it just had this really neat scene with these these creatures, and I had a lot of fun with that scene in general. So a white is uh, a medium undead neutral evil creature, armor class 14, hit points of 45. They have damage resistance from necrotic uh, necrotic bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons that aren't silvered. So, and these these are fairly they're challenge rating three creatures, so that adds a lot of uh, toughness to this creature. Now, what makes them, in my opinion, so dangerous is their life drain ability, and they have melee weapon attack of plus four to hit. They attack with two, typically two long swords or two longbow attacks. Uh, they're their their life drain ability is uh, reach a five foot one uh, can hit one creature. It does five necrotic damage. The target must succeed on a DC 13 constitution saving throw or its hit point maximum is reduced by an amount equal to the damage that they have taken. Uh, this reduction lasts until the target finishes a long rest. If the target dies, it's if this effect reduces its hit points to maximum of zero. Now, a humanoid slain by this attack rises in 24 hours later as a zombie under the white's control, uh, unless the humanoid is restored to life or its body is destroyed. The white can have no more than 12 zombies under its control at one time. Now, whites get thrown out quite a bit. Uh, we saw them in one of the uh, Wild Mount campaigns that we did where there was a cavern just full of whites. Um, and we've seen them in, of course, Curse of Strahd and other areas. They're just a really solid undead creature that you can throw at people that are a little bit tougher than your average skeleton or zombie. And I've always had a lot of fun with them. I think they're just neat creatures to use. It does wake people up uh, attacking your hit point maximum. Oh, it, it does. It does. I mean, it's real eye opening when you tell them, OK, you just took five damage. Oh, OK, cool. And your hit point maximum has just been reduced by five. Wait, what? Right. Yep. Uh, that look on people's face for the first time they hear that now. Of course, experienced players, when they hear whites, they're going, oh, shit. <laughs> just drop a fireball and be done with this, please. <laughs> yeah, wrap it up as quick as possible. <laughs> exactly. So that is my first creature. Nolan, what's your number two? So my number two was the uh, one that I've used a couple times now and had great results with in campaigns, especially especially when the group of people is uh, probably stronger than they should be, whether you've given out some magical items, whether you rolled for stats, and they're starting to get a little cocky, you need to you'd knock them down a peg um, and and not just defeat them by killing them because that's the easy thing to do but kind of just make them realize that there's a bigger threat out there and i went with stone golem oh okay the big thing that uh, stone golem is it's a large construct unaligned uh, created usually to guard places uh, armor class 17 hit points 178 uh, damage immunities poison psychic bludgeoning piercing and slashing from non-magical attacks that aren't adamantine so now all of a sudden we're talking about maybe a little bit of, a um, little bit of half damage so makes the fights go on a little bit longer. Sure. Can't be charm, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, or poison. A little bit of a threat to casters. Uh, dark vision, 120 feet. It understands all language of its creators, but can't speak. So you can't really even plan around it. Um, let's see. 
the big uh, the golem has advantage on all saving throws against spells. Uh, the golem's weapons attacks are magical, and that becomes pretty key, uh, which I didn't realize. I guess I, I uh, we've had conversations about heavy armor master, and and that's mm-hmm. such a good spell because a lot of most claw attacks, most beast attacks, a lot of stuff isn't magical attacks. So you're always reducing that every hit by three, and and it adds up over a course of campaign. So finding creatures with magical attack weapons. Um, kind of can scare that guy in plate mail as well, or gal, sorry. Um, has plus 10 to hit, hits for 3d8 plus 6, so it hits hard. And the reason why I choose this one here is because of its ability of slow. Recharge 5 or 6. Uh, the golem targets one or more creatures it can see within 10 feet of it. Each target must make a DC 17 wisdom saving throw against this magic. On a failed save, the target can't use reactions. Its speed is halved, and it can't make more than one attack on its turn. In addition, the target can take either an action or a bonus action on its turn, not both. These effects last for one minute. A target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of their turns, ending the effect on a successful, uh, ending its effect on itself on a success. So this is a CR ten. It's obviously throwing it a little bit out there, but again, taking a making making the caster choose between a, an action and a bonus action, uh, not both. Taking that fighter who's level eleven who has three attacks and a bonus action. Now you're down to one attack. Welcome back to level two, uh, and and then a DC seventeen wisdom saving throw. So that person that has neglected those stats, this can be a really good challenge of. Uh, you know, throw one of them at him, slow a few people, you know, I mean, anything, three guys, three guys or gals rush it within melee range, give them all the slow spell. There's a good chance two of them are going to fail. I mean, a DC 17 is nothing to mess around with. Uh, expect this to be a long, long fight. Uh, these make a really good guardians, uh, especially if you've got, uh, you know, maybe a wizard animates one and it's throwing some spells at some people while this thing's going around, slowing people and smacking them around. I mean, it can hit and land and slow on uh, your players can really change the tide of battle. And yeah. and we still we still have uh, people at the table saying, I, I hate that spell. Slows, slows a big one because all of a sudden you've ruined the thing that they've gotten used to doing every fight. And right. yeah, that's fun. I like messing with people in that way of saying, hey, you're not as bad as you thought you are. There's still some scary creatures out there. Yes, there are. It's interesting that you went construct for your second one because I almost went the same route because my second one was almost helmed horror. I've had a lot of fun with that creature, but ultimately I had to go with the remoras. The remoras is now we have we have dealt with remoras once, and I suspect that we might because of where they typically live deal with them again in Icewind Dale. Uh, they are they do tend to live in the Arctic regions. Uh, they are uh, they come from beneath the snow and ice. They burst into it from a cloud of steam because their body pulsates with this internal fire. And the picture of these things are just nasty. It's like a centipede with wings and a weird looking face. Um, but specifically for me, when it comes to the remoras, I like the adult version of it. I don't like the young remoras. Oh, they're good. Don't get me wrong. And they'll definitely present a, present a really good challenge for your players. <clears throat> 
when I think Remoras, I think this is going to be almost an epic level fight. Now, Jarl, I think it was Jarl Rising, which was an Adventure League um, story that we did, I believe if this is correct, had a legendary Remoras in it. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Nolan, but it would do stuff that would like create pits underneath you guys where you would drop in and have to spend a round getting out of the pit. Uh, it had all sorts of cool layer. Yeah, it actions. had layer actions. Yeah, that made it that made it an interesting fight for sure. Yeah, uh, I think I was playing an archer at the time as well, and it had some sort of like wind wall or something that I couldn't fire into it, so you had to get close to it. And then when you did hit it, it damaged you because it had like a damage shield or something like that. I mean, it was it was a legit fight. Yep, and that's actually one of the things that I like about this. So let's see. The Remoras has an ACS 17. It's natural armor. Hit points of 195. Um, it is immune to cold and fire, which really makes it difficult, for, especially for your sorcerers and such, uh, to, unless they have the ability to change their elements. Um, it has the ability of heated body, and this is what Nolan was just talking about. A creature that touches the Remoras or hits it with a melee attack within five feet of it takes 10 fire damage. And that's, that is a very real thing when you, like if you're the monk who's up there using hand-to-hand and you hit it three times in one round and suddenly you just took 30 points of fire damage, that adds up quickly. Yeah, uh, you the end other up thing I, yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it causes you to stop and, and, and almost disengage and get away from this creature because it's like, whoa, every time I hit it for 20, it's hitting me for 10. This is not working out. Uh, the other ability that I really liked about this is um, it's got the ability to swallow people. And we actually had that happen in that fight. We had a character who got swallowed. And I always think it's funny when characters get swallowed, especially when you when you tell the player, well, you just got swallowed by this monster. And they're like, what? I, again, love the look on people's face. Uh, so it says the Romoras makes one bite attack against a medium or smaller creature it's grappling. If the attack hits, that creature takes the bite damage, which is uh, 40. <laughs> um, that creature takes the bite damage and is swallowed, and the grapple ends. Now, the grapple is part of the bite damage or, or part of the bite attack, and I don't want to go into that here. Uh, while swallowed, the creature is blinded and restrained. It has total cover against attacks, obviously, and other effects outside of the remoras, but it takes 21 acid damage on the start of each of the remoras' turn. So, <laughs> oh, let me let me go on. I'm sorry. If the remoras takes 30 damage on a single turn from a creature inside it, the remoras must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw, or at the end of that turn, it regurgitates all swallowed creatures. It doesn't just swallow one. It can swallow multiple, uh, which then fall prone into a space within 10 feet of the remoras. If the remoras dies, the swallowed creature is no longer restrained and are no longer restrained by it, and it can escape from the corpse using 15 feet of movement, uh, exiting again, ending up prone. So this is a creature that just has a lot of ways to really mess your day up. And it's it's a CR 11, so it's definitely a tough creature, and it shouldn't be you know thrown at just any group. Uh, but it is definitely a creature that I think we're going to see in Icewind Dale uh, at higher levels, and I think is going to can have really cool uh, fights based around it. I like it. All right. One more, sir. What is your number three? Well, since you said three, you know, I was going to say an adult red dragon, but that's kind of easy. So uh, my that was my honorable mention. Um, 
my uh, last one is going to be uh, it's a creature that I enjoy throwing into games. Uh, again, another way to challenge players without just doing it through damage. Um, there's a lot of them out there, and I really like that idea too. Of again, um, again, when you're when you're creating these encounters and stuff like that, um, throwing damage at people uh, usually you're not going to win. Uh, so adding something like a, a smoke mafit or mafit, however you say it. Um, once they, once you players kill them, because that's what they're going to do, it blows up in a cloud of smoke and and blinds them. You know, so so have those kind of things of you're not killing them. Now they have disadvantage. They got to clear their eyes, slow down the combat, make it more real. And this is the one that I picked for uh, this or for my my last one is one that I've thrown in campaigns that makes people. Uh, again, I like making people paranoid. Make sure that the dungeon stays uh, uh, dangerous, uh, and that's the invisible stalker. Uh, the oh, fact geez. that it, yeah. the, the fact that it's always invisible uh, means any kind of melee or attacks or anything like that have disadvantage against it. Again, disadvantage is a great way to challenge your players uh, that are you know eventually gets to the point where it feels like everybody's always hitting, and so you got to do do something. Um, but the fact that it's invisible, uh, armor class fourteen at disadvantage makes it a pretty good, uh, pretty tanky. Uh, monster. It's a medium elemental with 104 hit points. Its speed is 50. It can hover uh, with a fly speed of 50. So therefore, there's no tracks. Uh, its perception is 8. Its stealth is 10. Uh, damage immunities, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Uh, or resistant uh, damage immunities, poison, can't be exhausted, can't be grappled, can't be paralyzed, can't be petrified. Poison, prone, restrained, or unconscious. Um so I like, I think this is one of those things that, uh, that you can throw a couple of them into a dungeon. Uh, maybe it's one of those things that don't stick around and fight. Um, maybe its job is to just slow them down. And every now and then it's everybody make a perception check and somebody gets clocked, you know, from the invisible stock or give them a chance to, you know, make a couple of rounds. And then all of a sudden it's quiet again. And so again, bring people, rein them in, have, uh, have that idea that there's something out there hunting them. Uh, it's the, the stalker is invisible. Um, and then faultless tracker. The stalker is given a quarry by its summoner. The stalker knows the direction and distance to its quarry as long as the two are in the same plane of existence. The stalker also knows the location of its summoner. So this leads into, and kind of what I was thinking for my third one was, I like the monsters that lead to something bigger. Uh, somebody made a stone golem. Uh, who was it? You know, somebody sent this stalker after somebody. Who did right. we make? Who did we make mad? Who? What did we do? You know, this this is not a casual spell. This is something somebody with uh, general wishing of harm on us is out there. Uh, what did we do? You know, so I, I like those type of things. Of again, keep people paranoid. Keep that. Keep the dungeon dangerous but also isn't just a mindless monster. It's, it's something that if your players pick up on it or you have a caster in the party, you know, somebody that deals with magic and be like, well, I, I, I know what's hunting us. It's an invisible stalker. Everybody be prepared. Or who, again, the bigger question, who sent it? Who did we make mad? Who's this bigger evil or villain or rival out there that wishes us harm? Uh, and, and all of a sudden the world gets a little bit bigger. Yeah, that's... That's kind of creepy. 
I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So if you know me and you know the show, you know that I have a creature that I absolutely love. And I could not do one of these without mentioning it. And that is, of course, the Beholder. Uh, I love this creature. I love the creature because it is disgusting. When you look at any sort of picture of it, there's no way you look at that and go, oh, that's a cool looking creature. No, it is disgusting. It is you know, really is the almost the epitome of what is D&D. I've looked at classic pictures of beholders and thought, wow, that is just a terrible, terrible looking creature. And I think I have to imagine when they first drew it, they're like, wow, this looks like a dork. Let's make him really powerful. And so you're not going to be afraid of this thing floating around until you realize just how strong it is. Um, beholders are, of course, uh, large aberrations. They're lawful evil. AC of 18 hit points of 180. Uh, these are brilliant, brilliant creatures, intelligence of 17, wisdom of 15, that can just absolutely destroy a party. The biggest thing about a Beholder is their their central eye. Their central eye creates an anti-magic field in a 150-foot cone. So they, and of course they have all those tentacles, those eye stalks that flip around, they could absolutely keep their eye on your most powerful caster in the party, locking them down while zapping the rest of the party with all of their uh, eye stalks. Um, the area works against the Beholder's own rays, and that is important to remember because I screwed that up once before I really understood how Beholders work and somebody died and it was bad that we had to fix that. Uh, Beholder has a couple of, of attacks. They have a bite attack. The bite attack isn't really what you need to worry about. It does 14 piercing damage. What you need to worry about when it comes to, be, to the Beholder are the eye rays, and there are 10 stocks that they all shoot some sort of magical effect. Uh, you roll these at random, and of course you don't ever use the same one on the same turn. So if you roll two tens in a row, you're not going to use those together. Uh, you don't, because that's just bad. You're just going to destroy your party, and nobody's going to enjoy playing with you ever. Uh, so the Beholder shoots three uh, from their eye stocks, and I'm just going to read through the titles. I'm not going to go over what they do. Uh, so they have the Charm Ray, the Paralyzing Ray, Fear Ray, Slowing Ray, Innervation Ray, uh, the Telekinetic Ray, Sleep Ray, Petrification Ray, Disintegration Ray, and Death Ray. And the ones that you really need to worry about are the, like, the last three. Petrification Ray, Disintegration Ray, and Death Ray. <coughs> Specifically, the Disintegration Ray says... Uh, you take a DC 16 dexterity saving throw uh, or take 45 points of force damage. If the damage reduces the creature to zero hit points, its body becomes a pile of fine gray dust. They are just dead. No death saving throws. You're just a pile of dust. It says if the target is a large or smaller non-magical object or creation of magical force, it is disintegrated without a saving throw. Uh, if the target is a huge or large object or creation of magical force, this ray disintegrates a 10-foot cube of it. Then, of course, there is the death ray. The target creature must succeed on a DC 16 dexterity saving throw or take 55 hit or necrotic damage. The target dies if the, the ray reduces it to zero. So these are, you know, their two most powerful rays, but add to that the Beholder is a legendary creature, and it can take three legendary actions uh, during each turn. Now, the legendary actions are the Beholder can use one uh, random eye ray. And the... 
the creature then regains those legendary actions uh, at the beginning of their turn. So this is not a creature to think lightly of. Now, we have seen some really cool fights in our games because um, one of my tales that I was telling had to do about uh, Beholders. In fact, it was a tale that we were talking about earlier. Uh, it had to do with Beholders, and I've seen some amazing fights against them where the Beholder stays up in the air, and the players were able to use that to their advantage and fly up and get on top of the Beholder and attack it which was interesting. Uh, the boulder made its escape and tried to do everything it could, but the monk, with an amazing dexterity saving throw on every roll he could make, chased it down and killed it. Um, so they're, they're neat creatures. And then when you mix in the lair actions as well, because again, this is a legendary creature, and of course, the lair actions only count when they are in their lair, and that's the important thing. Um, so they have multiple layer actions that they can, the, what, 50-foot square area of ground within 120 feet of the boulder becomes slimy. The area is difficult terrain, and the initiative count on 20 until the next round. Uh, walls within 120 feet of the boulder sprout grasping appendages uh, until initiative count 20 on the next round. Each creature of the boulder's choice that starts its turn within 10 feet of the wall must succeed on a DC 15 saving throw or be grappled. Escaping requires a DC 15 uh, athletics or dexterity acrobatics check. Uh, eyes open on a solid surface within 60 feet of the beholder. One random eye ray from the beholder shoots from those eyes at a target of the beholder's choice. So there's just so much that these creatures can do. And if you know anything about the history or how beholders came into existence, they were a wizard mistake. Uh, there's what I find fascinating about beholders is that when they dream, what they dream sometimes becomes a reality. And beholders are notoriously paranoid creatures. They don't want to be around anybody. Uh, they stay away. They think everybody is trying to kill them, and they think they are the best beholder ever. That's just how they are. They're super prideful and they're super paranoid. But I like the idea that when they dream, things happen. So you could be, you know, stalking a beholder who has dreamed these weird things that exist in his lair before you ever get to that fight. And it just creates this really neat, horrifying, cool moment of play of with the players fighting this creature that really is, in my opinion, besides the dragon, because I think the red dragon really is the epitome of Dungeons and Dragons. The beholder is the second to that. And it is hands down my favorite creature. I like when you have uh, big, nasty, scary creatures, and I don't know what it is about it, but they always, like, usually my mindset is, is if they have one of the most silliest weaknesses ever, they're usually really scary. Because, again, then you, you hope your players have, you know, we're not cheating and have knowledge that we shouldn't and go about our business. But, you know, we always talk about, like, you know, vampires and undead or they're they're scary they're frightening if, as long as you don't have radiant damage or you don't have sunlight you know what i mean like they just right. kind of poof um the idea that uh blindness and deafness destroys a, a beholder you know what i mean like it's just one of those mm -hmm. things of uh, a darkness spell you know if you've got a group of if you were a beholder hunter you know you I, I, I see the warlock right now that can see through, you know, invis, uh, you know, through magical darkness or whatever. And you cast darkness, 
you get it on the beholder and the only spot open is the big eye that with big the anti-magic <laughs> he can't see anything he can't shoot anything and all he's doing is staring at you with this giant target while the ranger just is like well i'm an archer this is sweet and you know what i mean but it's like one of those things it's such a trivial thing of uh, if you make it blind or you take away its vision, the only spot that you can see is a side. You're in the safe spot. You want it biting you, which is so weird. And I don't know. It's funny, though. Like the big, scariest monsters ever have, you know, oh, silver, you know, and it's like, really? Yeah. That's it? I mean, that's it. That's it. Like, why don't we just put silver in all our weapons to fight lycanthropes? <laughs> you know, it's like, but. I, I think that's the thing is that that's how you know it's got a scary monster because it's got uh, it's got a weakness that's so obvious that it never is going to work, you know? Right. Yep. And, you know, I just I really do enjoy the Beholder as a creature. I think it's like you said, it's just this weird, strange alien creature that has this unusual weakness that if you could just lock down the tentacles, the, the eye stalks, you really have a, a high chance of success against this creature. Um, well, no, the awkward thing too is like you said, you know, we've had these conversations where they are, uh, their intelligence and their wisdom is really high. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're really smart, and it's really tough to DM as one because you know having random eye stocks, having you know that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, if it was a fully aware, knew what it was doing, targeting the right thing, you know what I mean? Like you you wouldn't survive. Yeah. And it's not just it's not just that it's intelligent and wise. Every one of its stats are above average. It, I mean, even its strength, which is its lowest stat at 10. I mean, the boulder has got a dexterity of 14. How does this big giant blob have a dexterity of 14? Um, a constitution of 18, which I can understand that because, well, it is what it is. Uh, and intellect of 17, wisdom of 15, and then a charisma of 17. And this is, this is a, I mean, if this was your character sheet, you'd be like, yeah, I'm stacked. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is. A, it's a very powerful creature and, and having to dumb it down so you can make it challenging is a testament to its power. <laughs> yep. I, I just, I just love the creature. It was one of the things that like when Xanathar's uh, guide to everything came out, I was super excited about it. Um, I was super excited to hear that the Xanathar was in water deep and that you could actually be ultimately fighting against the Xanathar's uh, gang. Uh, you guys are actually, when we were playing Waterdeep, you guys are in level one of the Xanathar's realm, but you did not proceed further, which I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is hands down my favorite creature. I'm, I'm a big fan of tattoos, and I, I've often thought if I ever get a D&D &D monster tattooed on my body, it would be a beholder. I can dig it. So... So that is my three. That is your three. You did mention um, the Red Dragon was an honorable mention. Why don't you go into a little bit of detail about that? Well, I, again, it's one of those things of we've we talk about this stuff. Uh, Beholder's a good one. Um, an ancient Red Dragon. Anytime you can have a monster that uh, can can be your not just the not just a throwaway fight, not to, to make a, a fight interesting and an ongoing evil or enemy people get wrap their head around this kind of bad guy that uh yeah you know universally we can look at this thing and if this thing is angry we got to do something about it uh, a beholder starts acting out yeah we got to do something about it uh, a lich shows up in your area yeah we got to do something about it not very often does that happen you know when you're fighting stuff you know you, a group of goblins you know you might have um 
you can have some sympathy. There's three of them around a cooking barrel, you know, uh, just having their dinner and, and you have to, you have to think a little bit twice before you, Oh, it's an easy time to slaughter them. You know, somebody in that party is going to have maybe a little twinge of like, but they're just eating dinner. They don't look so harmless. You know, with, with some of these other evils, it's like, it, it's pretty obvious that this is a fight or flight moment. And, and I like right. those kind of things. I like, you know, you, there's a red dragon taking over an area. You're like, man, somebody's got to do something about that. Might as well be us. We're a long ways from getting there, you know. And so, I like, I like, I like just good evil. You know, it's like we can all. I like good evil. <laughs> I, we can all rally around the fact that doesn't matter who you are, what your alignment, since it doesn't exist anymore, what you were brought up. You know, this is something that. Um, we can all say, yeah, we can come together and fight this. And that's, that's fun. I mean, that's kind of the, the name of the game, or at least it was for me. Um, and it's become so much more, but wouldn't start as like, you know, we're going to, we're going to fight some dragons. Uh, it's right. <laughs> we're going to explore some dungeons and we're going to fight some dragons. And that's where we got the name. So I like those, I like those kind of evils. I like the kind of, uh, intelligent, uh, things that can, again, highly powerful can send stuff after you can be a threat can be a thorn in your side you know it's it's for every little encounter that you do to weaken their forces they can do something just as messed up to set you back as well and that's that's a i like intelligent evil i can agree um so that's that is our topic of the night those are our our monsters that we both that we chose that we thought were really good that we enjoy playing against or dming or just enjoy in general um nolan i think we've come to that point of the show where we tell people how they can reach us unless you have something else um i don't you know it was a i, I guess i do uh it was kind of a rough week uh for again we talked about the laura bailey thing getting a lot of mm -hmm. hate speech um uh Ruckful from world of warcraft and her stone um that's passed right. away this week taking his own life uh again seeing the the, the hate speech the the comments the 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 general people not being kind uh to people crying out or people doing their job or i don't know it, it was a rough week and and so i guess and instead of getting into it and stuff like that i would just say be mindful of what you say uh be mindful of what you think uh process your emotions before you just lash out um Make sure that that's not just an initial reaction to a feeling. Uh, make sure you actually think that way. Um, we, we live in a world where um, it, it's not violence is the answer, but we don't have, there's no real threat of getting punched in the face for being ignorant or being hateful or, you know, there's where we can very easily be key, keyboard warriors um, and, 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 that's that's not a good thing because there's people on the other side of that and there's a lot of people doing a lot of damage uh hurting people uh i know that there's a lot of stuff that i haven't done um doing this podcast is always scary because i'm afraid of people not liking it uh putting yourself out there in in broadcast form putting yourself out there to be judged is is frightening and and really it, it shouldn't be uh i'm having fun enjoying what i like to do and sharing it with people and I don't know. We got to be better, whether it's uh, equal rights, whether it's uh, treating each other better. It's not jumping on a bandwagon. If you don't like something, have a conversation about it. Don't just hate. Uh, 
I don't know. There's no good way to say it, but we've got to be better as a community towards each other, whether it's men, women, races, uh, actors, players, uh, people are putting out things. The, the biggest thing I can say about Laura Bailey is um, the thing that I took away with that before she posted that stuff, she didn't want to post it. But the fact that she blocked out the spoilers, so no. not to ruin the story for, I mean, if you can't get behind somebody that that's, is that awesome, I mean, that's, that's a major issue. I mean, that's, that's somebody that cares, you know, it's, it's not somebody that's a, a pretty face or a talented actor that's using, uh, their stardom or, or their fandom or is in a, a sphere, um, that's somebody that wants to be doing what she's doing and, and cares about what she's doing. And, and again, just the fact that she blocked the spoilers before she put it out there, I would have never thought of that. You know what I mean? In, in the, in the heat of the moment, I wouldn't have thought about that. have been look at this messed up stuff. We got to stop this thing. And I would have ruined the game for hundreds of, or thousands of people that haven't played it yet. That to me, that's a, that's a, that's a veteran move of somebody that cares. And so that's a class act. Yeah. And that's a good person. So again, we, we've got to be better. Um, we've got to, again, take care of each other. It's a scary world enough as it is without us being evil. So again, thank you guys for listening. Um, we appreciate it. We, we do welcome feedback. We are willing to conversation. And that's not what I'm saying is that we don't deserve that kind of stuff. If we're stupid, you know, about a topic or something like that, let's have a good conversation and prove us wrong. Don't just, just don't right. throw anger out there. Don't jump to conclusions. Let's, let's have good conversations and try and be better at the end of the day. Yep. And a bandwagon a little bit there with Nolan, you know, We've said this before. We'll say it again. You know, we we firmly believe that we want everybody to be able to sit down at our play at our table and feel welcomed. We want everybody to listen to our podcast and feel welcomed. We think everybody has a right to enjoy these games because it's just fun. And not only that, we think everybody has a right to equal rights and to be treated fairly and with respect. It is so easy to be kind. It just is. It's so easy to say thank you. It's so easy to be polite. It's so easy to stop and think about how your actions might affect someone else. And the fact that we don't do it, and like, again, with Rectful and even the stuff that Laura Bailey is going through, you know, just one glimmer of kindness could change somebody's life in, in ways that you don't even know. Nolan and I both struggle with depression and anxiety, and it's something we communicate with each other quite a bit about. Um, and we understand how quickly you can go down a very, very, very dark hole. And sometimes it's that one person making that one comment that makes all the difference in the world. So stop and think before you post that one thing because you're pissed off about an insignificant game that you're playing. Because it really is insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And think about what you're saying to that person. Because I promise you, if you have to stop and think about it, it probably isn't a good thing. So there's, there's game designers. We we've gotten to know a lot of people that put stuff out on drive through RPG. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of people putting themselves out there and that is a, that's a scary step and it's taken you know us a long time to, I don't know if you'll ever get comfortable with it. There's always that fear and that anxiety. So same, same side of things. Uh, just, you know, if people are putting out content, you like, uh, let them know. It, it goes a long way. Say thanks. Uh, appreciate it. You know, just a little thing. Leave reviews. Um, I don't know. Let's let's try and be better. That's all I can say. I, I agree. And I think I don't need to add to that at all. Let's try to be better. All right, Nolan. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, you, you, can, you, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at nlemires or through uh, anything Patrick's got going at 307RPG because he we, we work together. And so sometimes that's easier than trying to remember my goofy last name. But <laughs> yeah, and like Nolan said, you can find me at just about any our, um, social media site at 307RPG, be it Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Those are the three that I use the most. You can also find us on our website at 307RPG.com. You can find us on Patreon. That is still under the Forge Herald because I just can't change that. At least I don't think I did. I can't remember now. I've worked so much on doing so many different things. Uh, and the other thing I would ask is if you do enjoy the show, um, and I know we've gotten heavy the last couple of episodes, but it's been a heavy a lot of heavy stuff going on uh, but if you do enjoy the show and you like what we do and you want to support us but you don't want to or you don't have the ability to throw anything like through patron you know leaving a review on itunes is a great way to help us out it would absolutely bump us up you know help other people to find us as well and and we greatly appreciate that and I cannot say enough how much i appreciate the people that listen to us every week and put up with our shenanigans um you guys are fantastic, and it's because of you that we keep doing this. We're on episode 93, which is mind-boggling to think that we're about to hit episode 100 of of this show that really started on a whim. We've come a long way, Nolan, and I'm hoping we continue to go for a long, long time. Yeah, that's very cool. Man, we're getting old. I know. <laughs> Wait, are you talking to me? You knocked that off. <laughs> I'm catching up. (laughs) That is our show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.